power. We need your glory. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Speak to our hearts, Lord. You've given us a word. You've given us a message, Father God. And I ask you to speak to our hearts, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about dismantling your glory today. That's good. The theme today is dismantle your glory. That's good. Mm. I think today kind of explains this. You'll, you'll, you'll understand this as we, as we speak about this message. As I believe God has put this on our hearts today. You know, we've been talking about chasing after God. We've been having this series over the last eight or nine weeks. We've been discussing chasing after God. And this continues in that series because there's something that is very important. If we're chasing after God, we must dismantle our glory. If we want God's glory, we must get rid of ours. That's right. That's right. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 7. Or you can look up on the screen. It'll be up on the screen. Luke chapter 7. We're going to read from verses 36 through 50. Luke 7, 36 through 50. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Now, the, the, the him, the first hymn is referring to there, referring to Jesus. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, you know when the Bible says behold, it means pay attention, right? And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. When he says a woman of the city, it was already talking about a certain type of woman. But then, just in case you didn't get that, it makes it very clear who was a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Mm. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. <laughs> I don't, that's not words I want to hear from God. I got something to tell you. Hmm. Usually when someone says that, you're in trouble. You know that's right. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. <coughs> when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which one of them would love him more? Hmm. Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you judge rightly. That turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Yes. Mm. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Mm. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. <laughs> Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, I also want to read this same story from another apostle's perspective, from, from the book of John. I'm going to go to John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And let's take a look at this, because there's some differences here. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume of the day for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Amen. We're going to look at Luke's passage here a little bit closer. You'll, you'll, we're going to notice a few things. First, he was invited by church folk. You see, it was a Pharisee that invited him. We do that often. We say, Jesus, come. We want you. There was a church that invited him, one of the Pharisees. And then we see that a sinful woman showed up. And can you imagine? Jesus is there with his disciples and Pharisees and, and this whole religious thing. And this woman shows up. You know, that woman. The one with the mini skirt and her boobs falling out. That one. She showed up at church. And all the holy men were What's he gonna do? Is he gonna, is he gonna condemn her? Is he gonna, is he gonna rebuke her? Is he gonna throw her out? What's he gonna do? But she doesn't say a word. She doesn't even look up. This woman's so ashamed of herself. She walks in, doesn't even look at nobody. But she knew where the master was. She goes straight to his feet. And something broke. Can you imagine these guys kept trying to have a conversation, knowing all along that this woman was there, and, and, and they must have felt uncomfortable. But then something broke. What was that? And suddenly a smell began to lift in the room. And, and you began to hear a whimper. Can you imagine how many tears it must have taken to wash a man's feet? We're not talking about a couple of drops. You know, we pray, we cry holy. Or like Carrie Underwood says, we cry pretty. We make sure our makeup doesn't get messed up when we cry. But this woman didn't care about her makeup. Something broke and she wept and she wiped and she kissed and she anointed. This is the fourth thing she did. She wept. She wiped. She kissed. She anointed. Now, Simon in the in, in, in Luke's passage.
passage, Simon got a little upset. He said, this is my house. I don't want that type of woman in my house. I'm a Pharisee. I, I'm, I'm an apostle. I cannot have women like that showing up in my church. What will the, what will the rest of the people think? I can't have that. And he begins to think to himself, trying to figure out a way. How can I get her out of here without having to make a big show? And Jesus already knew what he was thinking and said, yo, Simon, he calls him out. I love this. Jesus didn't just call him to the side and be like, listen, Simon, I know you have this little issue. Let's, let's talk about this. No, he calls him out right there in front of everybody. He says, yo, Simon, I got a story to tell you. I got something to say to you. Let's talk about this. He says, because here you are judging this woman. In John's passage, there's a few things. Now, now, the reality is this may or may not have been the same occasion. Let's, let's face the truth. The truth is we don't know it's exactly the same scenario. It's possible that the apostles were writing from completely different perspectives and, and memories. And so it is the exact same occasion. But one happened to remember that it was at Simon's house. Another one happened to remember that it was at Bethany. Or maybe Simon lived in Bethany. Maybe it was the same and maybe it wasn't. It doesn't really matter. If it was the same or it wasn't the same place. It was probably not. But in this case, in John's passage, we see that Martha served at Mary worship. And you all remember Mary and Martha, right? These are the same Mary and Martha that the last time Jesus was at their house, Martha started complaining and said, Jesus, tell my sister to come and help me in the kitchen. She's over sitting at your feet. And Jesus said to her, no, 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 Martha, she's got the best part. I'm not going to take that from her. These are the same Mary and Martha whose brother was, who had a brother named Lazarus. And he died. And they sent a message to Jesus and said, yo, your friend, Lazarus, died. And Jesus shows up four days later. And he says, listen, I'm going to show y'all a miracle. The glory of God is going to show up. And they said, no, no, don't, don't, don't wake him. He's, he's, you can't open the tomb now. He stinks. It's been four days. Jesus calls Lazarus forth, and Lazarus comes out. He says, loose that man and let him go, and, and a whole nine yards, and that's a whole different message. And, and, and praise God, that's the same Mary and Martha. And yet again, here we are. It seems that Martha was always serving. She still hadn't caught on to the sitting at his feet part. So she's serving, and, and Mary's doing what Mary does, worshiping. Now, mind you, in this passage, is not described as if Martha was doing a bad thing. They were both serving Jesus. They were both ministering to Jesus. Okay, you got me. One was meeting his physical need, while the other was meeting his emotional need. And you got what I'm saying? You see, as a church, we cannot push Martha aside and only decide, say, we want to be married. But we can't all be Mary. We can't all be Martha. We need both. But Martha was serving. Mary was worshiping. What I like about John's passage is that it says the house was filled with the fragrance of Mary's perfume. You see, it didn't take a whole group of people to fill the atmosphere. It just took one. Just one broker alabaster jar and the smell, the aroma of that worship filled the room. In fact, it filled the room to the point where they got uncomfortable. The other people in the room were like, man, 
that smells a little too strong. You ever been in a place where it's just uncomfortable, where, where someone got so, so much cologne on you, like, I can't even breathe. Well, guess what? That's what was happening there. But in this case, it's something God liked. You see, God wants our worship to fill the room. Amen. That other people feel uncomfortable, that demons feel uncomfortable when they come up in this place. Let me tell you, right now, there may not be a hundred people sitting in this room, but there are angels that are floating around that fill this room. You and I may not be able to see them, but they're in here worshiping God. And the smell of the aroma of our worship has filled this room. And there's nothing more important than that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, in John's passage, someone complained. In, 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 in Luke's passage, there wasn't a complaint. There was an internal a thought process that, that Jesus confronted. But in John's passage, someone complained. So someone opened up their mouth, said, that shouldn't happen. That's a waste. <laughs> Just like I've had people tell me, why are you going to church in a building when you got but five people? That's a waste. No, it isn't. But Jesus Jesus defended her. Jesus says, the first thing he says is, leave her alone. Don't bother her. Get away from her. She's worshiping me. You shut your mouth, Judas. So he's saying, you messing with my baby? She's worshiping me. We have lost the art of adoring. Mm. We, we know all about the ten points of worship and we know how to run presentations and, and we know how to sing on key and we, and we know how to beat, how to play our drums on beat and how to have all of our music and we know we do verse one, we do verse two, we do chorus, we do verse one, we do verse two, we do chorus and we know how to do everything just right. But we don't know how to worship. That's right. We've lost the art of adoration. You know why? We don't spend enough time with God That's the key. for the sake of just being with Him. That's the key. Come on. We, many of us even, we, we read our scriptures every day. I, I'm, I'm preaching to me right now. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to me. We get up in the morning, we read our Bibles, we read it faithfully, we don't miss a day. We pray, and we go through our routine, and we make sure, no, I check that off. I check that off. But we don't spend time with Him. Because all we want to do is get a check on our checklist. Come on. Come on. We memorize scripture or Bible trivia, but we don't know him. We come to church to be blessed. Bless me, God. But we forget that the psalmist wrote, Bless the Lord, oh my soul. We don't bless him. We say, God, minister to me. And God says, you minister to me. You see, God is like anybody else. He just wants to be loved. He don't want your stuff. He don't want your ministry. He doesn't want everything you got, everything you can. He don't even want your money. He don't want nothing from you. All he wants is you. That's right. Just you. 
If you come to God with nothing but your heart, that's enough. But we don't even do that. We seek the we seek revival, but not the reviver. That's right. You see, like that woman, something's gotta break. We need brokenness. We must break something. Brokenness is like alabaster. It's a sweet-smelling aroma to God. When someone is broken in the house, all you need is one. I've been in places where there's 3,000 people there, and you got the best worship leaders in the country on the platform, and there's nothing. And then I've been in places where you can have all that same stuff, and one person in the corner. And people walk by and be like, what's wrong with that person? But that person feels the presence. That one person, the aroma begins to fill the atmosphere. And the presence of God falls down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All it takes is one. Brokenness. Brokenness is alabaster to God. But we want to come to God all dignified. We don't want to break. You see, this woman, it says that she washed his feet with her tears. She was broken. You ever been so broken that you cry and you cry and you feel like you ain't going to stop crying because it just hurts so much? And you can literally fill a bucket with your tears because you got so much tears coming out? That's what happened with this woman. And check this out. Back in those days, women didn't have them. What do you call them? Solange, the little shortcuts? The bobbies? They didn't have that. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, say. <clears throat> they didn't have those little short haircuts. Women had hair that grew long. In fact, the Bible says that a woman's hair is her what? It's her glory. Catch this. Catch this. Before the woman wiped his feet, she had to let her glory come loose. She had to dismantle her glory. You know, back in those days, women also walked around with turbans on their head. They, they covered up, just like they do in the Middle East today. They covered up. She had to get rid of all that stuff and let her hair out. She had to dismantle. She must have looked pretty when she walked in, but she sure didn't look pretty when she walked out. She had to let go of her hair. She had to let it out. She didn't care. Let me get even further. When they washed feet, this, this is a ritual, this was a custom that they had back then. Do you know why? Because they didn't have nice paved roads like they do nowadays. You see, back in those days, they had dusty roads. Right. And they didn't have cars and nice fancy vehicles like they do nowadays. They didn't drive around Acuras. They, <laughs> Cadillacs. They didn't drive around. <laughs> they didn't drive around in them nice fancy joints. They, they had nothing but horses and camels and mules, oh my. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have shoes like we have shoes, nice fancy clothes, toe shoes. They had little sandals that were open toe. If they even had sandals, they didn't even right. afford them. That's right. And so they walked along these dusty roads where they shared the road with camels and donkeys and mules and horses and, and other stuff. Yeah. Come on. 
and the kind of fuel that we have, you see, we just go to a gas station, we fill it up, and we keep on going. We, don't, we have this exhaust that affects our atmosphere and it's killing our world, but back then, the exhaust that they had was on the street. You see, as the horses were walking, they just kind of kept dropping as they kept walking. It, it was, I know it sounds kind of crude, but it's the truth. And people that walk, they got used to it. Because they had nothing else. They didn't have a vehicle, so they had nothing but to walk. And Jesus didn't even own a car. Jesus only had his two feet. Yeah. So everywhere he went, he went walking. Yeah. So he shows up at Simon's house, and he's supposed to get his feet washed. The custom was that a guest comes in, a guest of honor comes in, and the lowliest servant they had will have the, have the job of going to wash their feet at the door. Don't even come in yet. They have to wash, wash their feet at the door to get all that crap off. Literally. To get all that stuff off. They have to wash their feet. They have to dry them. And then they have to give them this anointing oil so that they can smell better. Because I don't want you coming in my house smelling like that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This woman, there was no lowly servant at Simon's house to do that job. This woman took it on herself. She took the job of washing his feet and then cleaning it with her hair. Talk about getting rid of her glory. She was saying, this don't even mean nothing. Your feet mean more than my hairs. And she washed them and she cleaned them. And she took the gunk off his feet. And she kissed them. And she anointed them. Hmm. Most of the time, we in church are like Simon. We want God in our house. But we don't want to give him the place he deserves. We want to treat him like just another regular fella. We don't want to stop and do what we're supposed to do. We don't want to go through the routine. We don't want to go through the process. We don't want to do what it takes. We don't want to wash his feet and kiss him and anoint him. We don't want to do all of that. We just want to come to us, Jesus. Come to us. Fill us with your presence, God. What you going to do for me? Oh, I don't know. I'm too busy. I got a whole bunch of stuff on my plate, but come and visit us, Lord. Glory, niggers. <laughs> we don't want to wash his feet or kiss him or anoint him. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I got a big church. I don't, I don't do that. I got people who do that for me. I, I, don't, I don't do that. Yeah. I'm tired of going to churches. The pastor sitting up on the pulpit and just sitting. Worship church. Hmm. Meanwhile, I'll just stand here and look at you. Give me a break. You a pastor? You the first one supposed to be up in this altar right. pouring your heart out before God. That's right. That's right. That's you lead right. by example, not That's by right. what you say. That's right. Hmm. But we want to be like Simon. You see, we want his presence, what he can give us, but not his presence. We are just like the people in Jesus' day. They followed him for all the tricks he could do. Like, like he was some sort of magician. I got that one from my dad. Credit for credit is due. They treated him like some sort of magician. They, they followed him for all his tricks. Oh, he's going to heal other people today. He's going to get another blind man today. Let's go walk. Their heart wasn't even in it. And we, like that, we can go from church to church to church to church following Jesus. Oh, because the glory of God is in this church. Oh, there's another conference over there. 
Bible because the glory of God is there and we don't need You know what really got me there? In this in reading this passage now? The disciples. What was the disciples' reaction? You would think that by this point, especially the, the second passage, the John passage, that was the week before he was crucified. You would think that after three and a half years, the disciples would have caught on. But they had the same attitude that Judas had. In the book of Matthew, that same passage, it says that Judas complained, but the other disciples agreed. They said, they said among themselves, why is this being wasted? Here you have the disciples criticizing. Now, you know why this hit me? Hit me like a rock. Because you can be a disciple doing the work and miss the worship. You, you, you're so caught up in doing what needs to be done that you don't stop to smell the roses. We act like he needs us to do his work. Oh, if I don't do it, God's kingdom won't come to this city. If I don't do it, let me tell you something. He's the creator of the universe. He can do whatever he wants with just a word. He don't need you. He don't need me. He don't need us to do his work. We say, God, anoint me. Pour out your anointing over my life. And God says, anoint me. I just want you to anoint me. We want his anointing, but we don't want to anoint him. When are we going to change the way we think about church? See, we think about church is all about me. Oh, I like that song. Let's sing this song because that song makes me happy. Well, let's sing the song that makes him happy. The only, the only person I care about pleasing is him. Yeah. If I come to church and I sing the same song for a year, I don't care if you don't like it anymore. Yeah. If he wants it, he won't get it. Yeah. Hallelujah. We need to break the box. Come on. Look at somebody and tell them, break the box. Break the box. Break the box. No more shortcuts. We can't seek his face and save face. We cannot seek his face and save ours. Mm -hmm. We don't have to look like a mess if we want him. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. You see, we've been asking for God's glory. We've been asking for God's glory, but we keep doing it like he's going to give it to us because we look pretty. We don't have to get extravagant up in here. We're going to have to let something go. We're going to have to break. We're going to have to say, I don't care if my hair falls out. I don't care if my glasses fall out. I don't care if my shirt breaks. I don't care what happens. I just want to worship you. Amen. I don't care how I look when I get out of here. I just want you. What is glory? When I say you need to dismantle your glory, what does that mean? Our glory. We, 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 it, not our hair. It's not what he's talking about. What's he talking about? Our magnificence. Our beauty. Your recognition. These are some synonyms that, that we looked up that, that mean glory. Recognition. The, the need to be recognized. Praise. It's for somebody to praise you or, or, or your position. Prestige. 
your self-worth, your accolades, your splendor, your grandeur, your acclaim, your fame. Sometimes we've got to give up on fame. Your status, your honor, your acknowledgement. Oh, I was up in this person's church and he didn't even acknowledge me. He didn't even say, oh, he was there. Don't acknowledge me. Give it up. Give it up. You don't need it. Oh, Pastor, oh, you're doing all. I've had people tell me, oh, you're doing all this great work in this city.
perpetual memorial. And it will be mentioned everywhere around the world. You got, you got to catch this. This woman did something that was, she broke the box. She broke the tradition. She broke the routine. She messed everybody up. Everybody was uncomfortable. Nobody liked what she did. But God. And he said, and she will be remembered forever. We don't even know her name. It may have been Mary, but it might not have been. We don't even know her name. But her worship lives on. Do you know what a memorial is? Do you know what a memorial is? Think of 9-11. We have 9-11 memorials everywhere. It's a place where you go to remember something that happened. You go to the 9-11 memorial in New York, and you have these big holes where the old Twin Towers used to be, and there's this reflecting pool in there. It's beautiful, and it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's an amazing place. But the point of it is to remember what used to be. God built a memorial in honor of this woman whose name we don't even know. He said, so every time I miss a worshiper, I'm going to go back to my memorial and say, this one worship me. Because God is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. But sometimes he can't find them. And when he can't find a worshiper, he goes to his memorials. I'm going to go back to the one that used to worship me. I'm going to go back to that day when they gave me an extravagant worship. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember what it felt like when her tears touched my toes. I'm going to remember what it felt like when her hair was cleaning the poop off my toes. I'm going to remember what it felt like when her lips touched my feet. I'm going to remember the smell of the aroma as she worshipped me. Because I can't find me someone who will worship me right now. If you haven't been accused of extravagant worship, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to let down your hair. Maybe it's time to dismantle your glory. Maybe it's time for you to do something you ain't never done before. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Maybe it's time. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, I'm a box breaker. I don't know about you, but I'm a box breaker. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet. We're going to say, I am a box breaker. Now, I'm just going to invite you. I'm just going to invite you. I'm not even going to play. I'm not going to say nothing else. This altar is open. If you want to be 